the Bible speaks today. Uh, so I, I, I've told you a number of times that uh, coming out of lockdown, I started doing a wee course at the Bible College, and it was on something um, called hermeneutics. Okay, that's fascinating, isn't it? Uh, which is really the skills and tools required uh, to interpret the Bible is what hermeneutics is about. Because we're talking about something that's at least a couple of thousand years old, some bits of it 3,000 years old. And uh, therefore, you, you can't just read something that old as if it's the Belfast Telegraph. Yeah, so there are skills and tools for interpreting that. Well, I've finished my wee course. Uh, so I'm self-declaring myself to be a wee bit of an expert in how you... <laughs> Nobody else, so again, don't tell anybody outside of here, uh, but a wee bit of an expert in how you interpret old texts, because uh, that's what it was all about. So about the Bible speaking today, uh, how, how do you ever know that something happened in history? Like, how do you know that Henry VIII had six wives? So nobody here remembers. It's, it's all written down somewhere, isn't it? Well, that's how... That's how we get stuff. It's transmitted to us uh, in documents and in records, and things are written down and they're checked and all of that, and then they're accepted as accurate records of things. Uh, so it's passed on, and you wouldn't dream of um, you wouldn't dream of questioning that these days. You just assume. So what about the Bible? Can you trust it? as a set of documents, and it's not just one document, uh, it's a set of documents written over something like a thousand to fifteen hundred years by a huge number of people from all sorts of backgrounds and ethnic groups and from different nations, different countries, different places, uh, some filled with faith, some not so sure about faith, uh, and all sorts and types of writing from poetry and lyrics of songs right through to history and theology and wisdom and uh, all sorts of things. And is it? Can it be trusted? Well, in the midst of all of this, somewhere in here is my parents' uh, marriage certificate as well. And I see absolutely no reason not to believe it because it's all written down there and it's signed by people. And... Uh, uh, I wasn't there, but no reason not to believe it. But we'll come back to that as to uh, why we believe that actually happened. But the, um, the, the things that are written down for us and then the copies that are made from them actually uh, carry authenticity with them. So now let me, this is, yeah, you're not going to be, I'm sure, terribly excited by this, but I want to just very briefly compare three different sets of writings just for a moment. Herodotus lived about four or five hundred years before Christ, and Herodotus uh, was a very careful historian who documented the wars between Greece and Persia, and you will know some of those uh, through movies like 300 uh, you'll know some of the names, like Xerxes, who was the Persian emperor. Uh, Leonidas was uh, the Spartan king at the time. Uh, maybe, maybe you don't know any of these. Uh, I did a sort of ancient history thing at school, so my head was filled with all this stuff way back in school days. But you will know someone, or one thing, out of Herodotus's history, is that there was a battle uh, on a plain called Marathon, and the Athenians beat the Persians, 
Uh, and Marathon was a certain distance from Athens. Can you guess what distance it was? 26 miles. The people in Athens were living terrified. As you might imagine, people in Gaza are feeling this morning. Because if the Athenian soldiers were not victorious on that plain 26 miles away, the Persian might was going to destroy everything in Greece and would start with them. One soldier in full armor, well, whatever that was in Greek days, ran from Marathon to Athens to declare that the Athenians had won the battle. So there's something from Herodotus that we're all conscious of, is the distance of a marathon came out of that. Uh, the soldier uh, collapsed and died as well. It's recorded there. Anyway, Herodotus, very careful historian, and there's not a reason not to believe everything that he has recorded about those wars. Livy uh, lived in the century before Christ, and he has recorded in over 140 books that he wrote, uh, the hundred years uh, up to that uh, sort of roundabout when Christ was born, of the history of the Roman Empire. And again, it's regarded as accurate, uh, everything about it. Uh, is there and is what we believe was the growth of the Roman Empire and the New Testament. Wow. Comes from the hundred years after the birth of Christ. Is there any reason not to believe it? Just as it is, as an accurate record of everything that was happening there. Let me give you, there are some reasons why we believe that and don't just do it out of kindness to being here in a church. Right. Something very important is the gap between when the things actually happened and were written about and the manuscripts that we now have. So let, let me, this was one of these wee tools for interpreting things. So the stuff that Herodotus wrote four or five hundred years before Christ, the oldest manuscript we have as a copy of that was 1,300 years later. That's a big gap. So, I mean, this was done deliberately. There were whole, you know, businesses of people copying manuscripts, copying documents, yeah, so they could be passed on because they knew these things would wear out. The oldest manuscripts we have for Herodotus's history of the Greek-Persian Wars is 1,300 years after it happened. Livy's uh, oldest manuscripts existing from then or copied from then are 900 years later. What about the Bible, the New Testament? We have manuscripts that go back to a hundred years after the events. Those, it's in terms of accuracy, right? Th this surpasses anything in the world of ancient history. And at 250 years, those were manuscripts of different bits of the New Testament because they're letters and things. About 250 years after that is the oldest manuscripts of the whole thing gathered together in one place as one book. Wow, not amazing. The other thing is how many copies do we have of manuscripts that go way back then? In the Herodotus stuff, if you go way back to the, the copies that still exist, we have eight of them uh, of Livy's stuff. We have 20 of them. What about the New Testament? Could we have 30, 40? 5,300 Greek copies, 10,000 Latin copies, and 9,300 copies in other languages. 
from way back in those days. Wow, isn't that stunning? So in terms of the accuracy and the authenticity of the manuscripts that are now printed for us in these books that sit around, fantastic accuracy and authenticity about it all. Right, the next thing is, um, how do we know that England won the World Cup in 1966? Because they tell us about it right, at every opportunity. And there may well even be one or two people who still remember it. Here's one of the reasons why I believe the, um, my mum and dad's wedding thing. My mum is the second one from the left. Uh, and those are three bridesmaids. And I remember a couple of weeks ago I said I was at the 70th wedding anniversary of my mum's sister. That's the one to my mum's left. And she remembers that day. She remembers being there. She's able to tell you about all the people and what was going on. Why would you not believe it? There are people who remember it. And there's absolutely no reason why in 200 years' time why somebody doing a family tree wouldn't remember the fact that those, yeah, and there were people alive who could authenticate the documents, right? If it had never happened, you know, if I had shown this to my Auntie Margaret, said that that ever happened, she said, no, that never happened. But she was there. She's authenticated it. Yeah. Witnesses are really important. Listen to what St. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15. He wrote, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. For what I received, I passed on to you as of primary importance, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures. And in case you're doubting that, then he appeared to Peter, and then to the Twelve, and after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living. And that bit of it is generally interpreted as that was an invitation that if you don't believe this, go and talk to some of the people who saw him. Yeah, there are still people around, like my Auntie Margaret, who were there. Go and ask them. Then he appeared to James, that's the brother of Jesus, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me, because Saul, Paul, uh, only became a follower later on. But he met Jesus, risen and ascended, uh, on the road to Damascus. And he's inviting people. Uh, even later on, when we there's nobody around now who was there who can say, I saw it, I was there. But we know that there were lots of people, hundreds of people, who saw everything that happened. And when it was written down, did not disagree with it. In fact, they confirmed it by their lives because they agreed with it. Now, I did a, a wee bit of a search. I don't know if you find this kind of thing interesting at all. But apparently there is a, um, a, not a very big movement, but a small movement called the uh, Holocaust Deniers. People who say the Holocaust never happened in the Second World War. 
They declared that Nazi Germany wanted to deport Jews but never killed them, didn't have extermination camps, and that the whole Holocaust was a hoax perpetrated by the Allies. Now, the difficulty with that is that there are camps, and there are documents, and there are people. Not very many anymore, but there still are people. Similarly with the New Testament, when it was written, there were people reading it who were there, had seen it all, had heard it all, were first-hand witnesses of everything that was being written down. And there is no record anywhere of any of them saying this wasn't true, this wasn't how it happened. Now, last wee thing I want to show you here on can we trust the Bible. Oh, two more, sorry, one quick one. One reason why we trust the New Testament is that it wasn't written by one person, yeah? Uh, it was written by multiple people in different places, in different cultures, and they wrote it from their own perspectives. So the Bible, the New Testament is not written like it's the invention of J.K. Rowling writing the whole Harry Potter series. One person mapping out a story and then writing it up. Yeah, this is written by multiple authors, some of whom may not even have known each other. And yet there is solid agreement on the big parts of the story. Now, I remember as a teenager, we used to have all sorts of debates uh, about whether or not the Bible has contradictions in it and whether or not it's accurate and all those sorts of things. And there are differences in it. I don't think there are contradictions in it, but there are different perspectives. So in Matthew, uh, you will get different birth stories from the ones you get in Luke. One uh, features the Magi, the visit of the people from the far ends of the earth. The other one is all about the shepherds. They're different perspectives, but they're not contradictions, right? In fact, it adds to the authenticity that you get 4,000 people fed one day and 5,000 people fed in another story. Because the point of the story isn't the number of people. The point of the story is that Jesus was illustrating what it meant to be the bread of life. So those different perspectives all add to the authenticity of the whole thing. Absolute solid agreement on Jesus' arrival in Jerusalem, his betrayal, his death, and his resurrection. Which takes us to the last picture, last thought. Why do I believe that that day happened even though I wasn't there? Because I've seen the consequences of it. Yeah. I'm standing in front of you because of that day. Yeah. I spent all of my life until a few years ago with that woman and her husband in the home that they built together in everything that they did with us as a family. Yeah. Something resulted from that. And it's an incredible thought that whatever that was that happened 2,000 years ago, the consequences, the results of it have zigzagged across this globe for 20 centuries. About a third of all of the people in presently living on planet Earth claim to be followers of Jesus Christ. What goes on from this? Uh, 
It, it, it will never stop. It grows and grows and grows. Not shrinks in places. It grows in other places. Uh, comes under persecution in places. Is flavor of the month in other places. Uh, you know, the tides go in and out. But the thing grows and grows and grows. And at the heart of it all is what I read to you from St. Paul. Christ died for our sins according to scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Here we are this morning, standing in front of this table. And we're going to celebrate and remember and put our trust again in the one who died according to the scriptures and was raised, he died for our sins and was raised from the dead according to the scriptures. The next few weeks, I'd like us to uh, take a wee look at some of those scriptures and who this person is. Uh, Luke wrote this in chapter 10. No one, and this is Jesus speaking. No one, who know, no one knows who the Son is except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son. That sort of makes sense, Father and Son. They know each other intimately. And those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. And he's talking about himself. You are seeing the manifestation of God himself standing among you. Jesus is God incarnate. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but didn't see it, and to hear what you hear, but didn't hear it. It's written in this, so that you and I can see it, and can hear it, and can believe it. So I want us to take a wee look in the next three weeks about who Jesus is according to the Scriptures, what he did in terms of his death and his resurrection according to the Scriptures. And to take you back to that picture, does it make a difference? <laughs> what happens to us when we absorb that into our lives?